0: Welcome to Spotlight 19, our last episode before the November 6th election. Justin Tracy here. This is the podcast tracking John Faso's voting record and all things New York District 19. On today's show, we hear from Senate District 51 candidate Joyce St. George and Gareth Rhodes, former New York 19 candidate and executive director of a new youth voter initiative, Show Up 2018. Before we get to the interviews, just wanted to give our listeners a little pep talk. November 9th, 2016 was a dark day. Sarja and I barely slept the night before. After leaving Javits Center at 10pm, we would not be telling our future child that we'd been there the night the first female was elected president, as we'd hoped. Fast forward to January 20th, 2017. We marched along with 1,000 others The Woodstock Women's March, where a sign directed us to call John Faso. We did, over a hundred times. And we soon realized that the vast district that is New York 19 has no independent news source to find out what our congressman was up to. So we released this podcast to spread the word that his votes weren't in anyone's interest. That led us on a meandering journey of interviewing and meeting all of our amazing candidates up and down the ballot. If you haven't checked them out yet, here is our resounding endorsement of all of them. In Aidan O'Connor, we see the potential for the first member of the Assembly who is an EMT. Aidan's unique perspective, fighting the opioid crisis on its grisly front lines, is much needed for Assembly District 102. The current Assemblyman has no respect for decorum, much less his constituents. In Chad McAvoy, there is an opportunity for a bizarre District 101 to be dissolved, and constituents there to receive true representation rather than being a mere consequence of ruthless political gerrymandering. In Tistria Hotling, whose experience with her own working family mirrors so many of her constituents in District 107, we see the chance to bring the concerns of working families like affordable childcare and caring for our aging parents in the Assembly. For New York State Senate Districts 39 and 43, we have James Scoofus and Aaron Glad for State Senate, whose experience of lifting themselves up reflects the American dream. Then there's our fantastic four female New York 19 Senate candidates, Jen Metzger, Karen Smythe, Pat Strong, and Joy St. George we see real potential to codify women's rights in New York state law and protect the environment. Finally, with Antonio Delgado, we see the integrity and leadership we so sorely need in Congress, which we have been denied for the past two years via John Faso. Antonio has worked tirelessly over the two years to hear from us and give us a glimpse of his vision of New York 19. Strong public schools, affordable health care jobs in green energy, real criminal justice reform, diplomatic solutions over endless costly wars, and combating the opioid crisis with rehabilitation rather than punishment. If you haven't called your friends and family about Antonio yet, do so today. The future of our next generation depends on electing him and all of our great candidates in New York 19.
1: today we're here with Joyce St. George. She is running for Senate in District 51. She's our fourth member of what I call the Fantastic Four, uh, four amazing women who are running for New York State Senate here in New York 19. Thank you so much for being here.
2: It's such a pleasure.
1: And uh, Joyce, just let's just jump right in. Tell us a little bit. You were not supposed to be running when we met you back uh, in July of 2017. Um, but here you are, you're running in a, in a very red district, but you have an amazing
2: platform. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to run. Oh, my gosh. So I said, uh, I had f- several people ask me if I would run. And I said no, every time. Um, typical woman. but then one person said to me say no one more time but before you do that I want you to check out Senator Seward's record and contributions so being who I am I went and did my homework I did my due diligence I checked his record I checked all of his votes I checked his contributions and then I called my friend back and said I'm in so I decided to run because I started really looking at Senator Seward and what he has done or not done for our district and also um, how he basically reflects the culture of Albany, which I think lacks a lot of integrity right now.
1: Absolutely.
2: So those are the things that really drove me to, to want to run. And so I spoke to my husband, and he said, you know that that's not on our bucket list. <laughs> and I said, yes, I know. There were so many other things I'd like to do with my retirement. We had just retired. Um, but there's a sense of urgency today. And if you have that, which I do, um, there is nothing that's going to stop you. And I saw that with Pat Strong, I see it with Jen Metzger, I certainly see it with Karen Smyth, and all the other people that we're running with. We all have that, it's, it's, um, it's almost indefinable, but there's this sense of urgency that this is the time that we cannot let Albany keep doing what it's doing, because we have lost so much ground. And if we don't start picking things up and fixing things, we're not going to have farmers. Uh, Farmers are just about, I mean, eight of them committed suicide this year in New York State. Um, and, And so many of them are just struggling and suffering. And then, you know, if you have that, you've got small towns that are not working well. And then if you have that, you have schools that are not working well. You have healthcare that's not working well. So it's all tied together. And I just can't allow that to happen anymore. I'm running a food pantry with my husband. We do that. And we started out with 28 families seven years ago. We now serve 530 families.
1: Wow.
2: And this is in the, middle t- the um, town of Margaretville, Fleischman's, Arkville, the town of Middletown. So it's a very small town, but that's how many people need extra food, and they are working. They are not scammers. They are either working or they're disabled or they're elderly. So when you combine what I learned about the senator that we've had for 32 years with the experience I'm having serving poor people who are struggling every day to just live there's that sense of urgency.
1: Absolutely. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, your background is what led you to investigate Senator Stewart. Seward. Senator, <laughs> senator Seward. Yeah. Uh, and that background consists of being an investigator. Uh, I consider you the at the forefront of people with knowledge about the Mercer family. Oh, Why don't yeah. you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how that will, you know, help you if you
2: do become senator? Well, Okay. Um, So back in the day, because I am old, (laughs) back in the 70s, there was rampant corruption in New York City um, by police officers and other people in the criminal justice system. And so the state government, the attorney general, established an office, a special prosecutor's office that would do nothing but investigate and prosecute people in the criminal justice system who are corrupt. And I was actually pulled out of college. I still had a year to go in college, but I got to be the first female investigator. And so I did that for a few years. And once you start doing things like investigating corruption and getting to see how people get around the system and how they misuse the system and how they manipulate the system, it doesn't leave you. And so I've spent my life, uh, I ran a business um, training police in integrity and training other people like CEOs of companies and, you know, people who interact with the public quite a bit. And I specialized in conflict uh, resolution and crisis management. So besides the investigations of Corruption, I also have a background in conflict and crisis management. I did a lot of work um, all around the country, some in Europe and Canada for about 35 years with that. And um, it was a wonderful experience. I learned a lot. And then I started giving it back to the community, so I became a chair of a hospital um, and I ended up working on developing a system, a hospital system with several hospitals. So I've got a lot of experience, about 10 years of experience in healthcare. And so I've always been interested in my community, in what's going on, how we could help it. And so I've done a lot of different things in the community to try to make it better. And so my background is pretty fitting right now because I really do know how to dig into um, things that are not very clear. And so something like a lack of transparency in our government is something that I like digging through, and I like to find the transparency. I also like to look at what else is influencing our government, and that's where Reclaim New York came in. Right, and that's
1: the entity that's really funded by the Mercer family, and we've talked about it a little Mm -hmm. bit on the show. And it really, you know, our interest in Reclaim New York and our understanding of the Mercer family came because we heard you speak about this dark money funded, uh, seemingly innocuous organization, Reclaim New York. You know, it seems like it's there to root out corruption, yet it's influenced by some of the most, you know, corrupt individuals that are, you know, putting money into our government in a way that is really destroying small governments. That's what Reclaim New York
2: is trying to do, yeah. Yeah. And it was built not only with the Mercer family, but also with Steve Bannon. And the thing that's most interesting for me is that the exact same year, 2013, when they established, Steve Bannon and Robert Mercer established um, Reclaim New York, they also established Cambridge Analytica in the same building in New York City, on the same floor, right across the hall from each other. So when you start talking about dark money, Reclaim New York is the champion of it all. And it comes off, as you're saying, as a very nice, you know, kind of conservative group that, you know, there's a lot of groups like that, and they're fine. But this is really a front for Robert Mercer and, and Steve Bannon so that they could do what Bannon wants to do, which is deconstruct the administrative state.
1: Absolutely. Well, shifting gears a bit, uh, you're from Margaretville mm-hmm. and a lot of the communities in your district were really, uh, devastated by Hurricane Irene a few years ago and it's, they're still not back after that. So tell us a little bit about your stance on the environment, about climate change. There was this devastating report that came out a few years ago. Justin and I have been kind of looking at each other and wondering, you know, why did, why did we have a baby, you know, if we only have 20, you know, 20 to 30 good years left? So yeah. um, and Ulster County and there are a few towns in Ulster County that are within District 51 yeah. somehow uh, just pla- just just passed a plastic bag ban yesterday. Yes. Oh, they passed it. It did. It got yes. signed. Um, But I was waiting through the comments this morning and, you know, they're they're kind of alarming. There are all these people that are like, oh, the government's like in. Getting, getting into it, and it's kind of it's it's disheartening. So tell us a little bit. Uh, th- obviously, that was a convoluted and loaded question, but it all
2: ties in together. And and what's interesting is that my husband and I, and you have to understand, my husband and I ran this business for thirty five years, and we ran it together. So if anybody knows about conflict, it's us. <laughs> um, but we ended up becoming hired by FEMA after the flood of um hurricane irene because we both have expertise in crisis so we ended up going house to house to house in all of delaware county and some of ulster county and so we saw the devastation um as far as looking at the environment right now i'm fighting with senator seward because senator seward is trying to put a 17 million dollar billion dollar is it no million dollar i'm sorry a $17 million decompressor station in Oneonta so that they can get more fracked gas over there. And meanwhile, the fracked gas is trucked in by what is called bomb trucks because it's compressed gas, and they not only not travel on the highways, but they travel on places like Route 28. Five of them have flipped over this year. Um... So they're not very safe, and now we're fighting for this uh, against this decompressor station, which is going to add more fossil fuel at the same time that the UN is reporting that we only have, what, 12 to 20 years?
1: Well, we have to before, get our act together within the right. next five years, otherwise and you the,
2: know, we're really doomed. And the thing that's interesting is that the excuse that they're using, Senator Seward and his... I guess, compatriots who are trying to get this in the oil companies and that, um, the excuse they're using is the hospitals and the colleges at in Oneonta sort of lose the ability to get fracked gas for anywhere from four days to two weeks in the wintertime. So for that, they're going to put $17 million into this compression station or decompression station when what they can do is actually um, retrofit buildings and houses, get the insulation. It's not sexy, but it works. You can get all of our homes or all of the homes in Oneonta. You can um, get some of the buildings that are losing heat and losing um, uh, cooling, Every year because they don't have proper insulation, they don't have proper caulking or windows. Now that, to me, makes sense because they wouldn't be as dependent on fossil fuel if they were wiser in how they're putting their buildings together and maintaining them. The other thing is there is no discussion about wind, solar, geothermal, any other renewable energy There is no discussion at all in Oneonta about that, except for people like me who are screaming about it. So this is a battle that we're having right now. And one of the things that I'm seeing as I go through the area is we now have toxic algae blooms. I don't know if you know what that is, but that is um, an algae that exists in our lakes and ponds, and watershed that is toxic. It's poisonous. Fish will not go around that. If, if there is toxic blooms, you will not see fish in that area. If a dog or a pet or an animal um, gets in contact with it, they will die. If people get in contact with it, they will die. And we have had it for a while, but because... Right now, the waters in New York State are warming because of climate change. The nitrogen and phosphorus that is leaked into our waterways from farming and industry and all that, that is um, a combination of chemicals that can be very hazardous to water. But then when you bring it into heated, warmer water, that's when you get the uh, toxicity. So, we now have that in our state, and there's so little being done about it there's some money being given to, you know to different places to you know mitigate it, but very little research, very little work on it so that 's one of the things that I would like to pay much more attention to, and i've been working with sustainable Otsego and other environmental groups to try to get people to pay attention to what's going on in New York State right now, because it's horrendous. Sure.
1: And you actually created a video uh, explaining why you're voting against John Faso. And as you were talking about the compressor station, I thought back to this week, Faso posted, you know, he toured the Cricket Valley uh, Power plant. And, Mm. you know, he's kind of touting it as this is a way to create jobs for our region. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Seward is doing the exact same thing. Well, they're they're working together. Right.
2: Yeah. To promote
1: it. So how do you uh, when you're going out canvassing and you're hearing from people, how do they feel about, you know, if if that station in Oneonta is Ultimately, doesn't happen. um, Are they pushing back and saying, "Well, that's going to create jobs for our region"? Um, How do you explain, you know? Well, first
2: of all, that substation or that uh, decompressor station will not create very many jobs. It just won't. Whereas, if you do what I'm talking about and and try to retrofit all these buildings and all these houses, then you're hiring people from Onenta, from the area. To come in and do the insulation and do the windows and do the doors and do the, uh, the uh, caulking, you're hiring people, they've got jobs, and the money stays in town. It doesn't go to a fossil fuel company. John Faso was a lobbyist for the oil companies. Um, Jim Seward has been very, very tight with oil companies for many, many years. And one of the things that I know about Jim Seward from doing the research I've been doing is he gets a lot of, he gets all of his, well, not all. He gets a great deal of his contributions from companies that support, that will support him so that he can make decisions in favor of those companies. So, for instance, he actually chairs the um, New York State Insurance Oversight Committee. And right now he's gotten over $200,000 of contributions for his campaign from insurance companies. He serves on the healthcare committee. He gets a lot of money from pharma, uh, pharma and pharmaceutical companies. So it, these are things, you know, whether you're talking about FASO, or you're talking about Seward, This is the kind of thing I like to talk about because I consider that legalized corruption. I don't know how you can make wise, sound decisions about things like insurance or health care, any of these pressing issues that we have today. When you're taking money and you're listening to the lobbyists of those companies, I don't see how you can balance that out. Now, he'll fight me on that and says he can, but I just don't agree. I mean, if if I get elected, I would love for lobbyists to come in and talk to me and tell me what their issues are and what their interests are, but do not take a wallet out. I will not accept any money, and I think it's ridiculous that this government is being run this way.
1: I agree. And a lot of our candidates have said campaign finance reform and rooting out corruption yep. is one of their top priorities if they're elected. Yep. Uh, but tell us about, you know, you're, you've been canvassing now for quite a while. <laughs> what are you hearing from people on the ground in your district? It's a vast district. It's a gerrymandered district. Mm-hmm. You mentioned off off the mic that it's, it's if Chad's Chad McAvoy's district is the snake. Yours is like roadkill. <laughs> roadkill. So as you've been traveling around, what are you hearing? What are people's concerns when you
2: hear from there them? There are so many. It, it. I mean, there is a lot of interest about um, on the environment. A lot. A lot of people really understand that we are at a pivotal point. A lot of people, I would say most people, are very concerned about health care. And most of the people that I talked to will give me examples of how many times they've had to make decisions about filling a prescription or feeding their kids because in Delaware County, especially, but also in Schoharie and some of the other town um, areas that, that this district covers, people are very poor. I mean, the, the the median income is maybe 40,000. So it's not like people can just grab You know their five thousand dollar deductible, and pay it right off. If if one of their kids ends up in an ER, that's what you're going to be paying. You're going to be paying five thousand dollars. If you're lucky. I mean, I know people who've got insurance, and their deductibles are ten thousand dollars. So they're really concerned about that. When I first started running, a lot of people, advisors, told me, "Do not talk about corruption. It doesn't. You know, nobody cares." So I talk about corruption. But what I can do is, because of my experience, I can tie it to your wallet. So, for instance, I could tell you that one of the things that irks me is that the Senate and the Assembly made a point. They wanted to have a raise uh, a few years back, and the governor at the time said no. So what they did, what the elected officials did, is they went around him and decided that they could give themselves bonuses. Now, this is our tax money. So for doing their job, they're getting bonuses to the point of, I know Senator Seward gets $25,000 extra because he chairs the insurance industry or the insurance committee. Yeah, the committee. That's his job. Why are you getting another $20,000? I, I know there's others who are getting $40,000, you know, depending upon how high up the ladder you are. That's our money, and nobody asked us if they could do that. Um, so people are really, when, when we talk about that, I could talk about slush money that is kept outside of the New York State budget that even the controller can't find. I just talked to him about it. He can't even find it. And if you go and look at his reports, he reports that every year that there is slush money. It has no criteria. It has no accountability. But the senators and the assembly, not all of them, but some of them will use it. And so one of the things that I've seen is Senator Seward, especially in my area right now, I should have run earlier because he's given my town so much money. <laughs> so that they will vote for him but that's what they do that's what a lot of elected officials are doing they'll take slush money and they will give the library a few dollars they'll give a firehouse they'll give a hospital a roof you know money for a roof but yet they're not doing anything to lower the copays that somebody has to pay for a prescription or or deductibles. So people are very concerned about all of that. And it all ties together. So you can talk about somebody giving themselves $25,000, and then you could talk about money we had no say in, but at this point, we can't use it because it's tied up. So we can't even benefit from these things. And because of that, we're paying very high taxes And we are very limited in our resources and services. It's got to stop. Sure, and we
1: could you know spend all day talking about all the issues that face our districts, but unfortunately, you know you have to get out there and campaign because there's what eighteen days left. Seventeen, until, but se- who's oh, 17, <laughs> seventeen days left until November sixth. If people want to find out more about you, where can they find you? Uh, how have you been getting the word out
2: to people to get out the vote, and you know to where can they find you? They could find us. Just go online. It's uh, stgeorge, S-T-G-E-O-R-G-E, for Senate, and uh, .com. And we have both a website, and we're on Facebook. Uh, We have Twitter. (laughs) I think we have Instagram. Um, Instagram. So all you have to do is plug in St. George for Senate on any of those social media um, platforms, and you will find me. And um, we are passing out. We are knocking on a lot of doors. We are calling a lot of people. Um, we have, this is what's so amazing about this year. There are so many people who are volunteering to do things that I never dreamed anybody would do. But I have probably 100 people who are going out and knocking on doors and calling up people and just reminding them, telling them about, you know, my election, but also we are collaborating with all the other candidates, which is why you have Pat Strong and Karen Smythe and uh, Jen Jen Metzger working with me. But even out West, I am working with um, Anthony um, Brindisi, who's running against Claudia Tenney. And I'm working with Uh, Chad McAvoy. I'm working with Aidan O'Connor. I'm working with every other candidate so that we can, first of all, it helps us. Everybody knows who we are. And we share all of our information. And what we're hoping is the Democratic line during um, election is ballot, is um, row A. So what we're telling everybody is, look, at this point, vote row A all the way, because none of us want a career. We do not want um, somebody to be there 32 years. We want term limits. We want. We all have integrity. So each one of us represents very similar issue, um, issues the same way. And if you vote straight down, you're going to get a very different and very new and very, very progressive, and I don't mean that just in terms of a political way, but in terms of moving this state forward into the 21st century, you're going to get people who can do that, and you're going to change that culture. That's the goal. Thank
1: you so much, Joyce, for sitting down with us here today. Best of luck. We'll be, you know, we'll be out in Ulster County and we'll be telling everyone we can about you. And we hope our listeners, you know, donate. If you donate to a state Senate uh, candidate, it goes a really long way. Or if you know, have relatives, you know, you give them a call and tell them about Joyce. Oh, thank you. And we're not
2: taking any money from corporations or tax. None of us are. So it's all grassroots. We love it. Thanks. Thank you.
1: So I'm here today with Gareth Rhodes, who was our first candidate guest, and he's been on the show twice, and this is his third time. We're honored to have you back. Thank you so much for being here.
3: Thanks, Roger. Thanks for having me back.
1: So you've just been doing Get Out the Vote uh, canvassing with Pat Strong. Tell us a little bit about how it went and what you're hearing from people on the ground.
3: Absolutely. So this is such a critical time in the election. We have just three days left. I think when your listeners hear this, it'll be two days, and... Everyone who's listening, they I want them to put Spotlight 19 on their on their iPhones and go out and be knocking on doors while they're listening because it's so important that we tell all our neighbors, if every single person who voted in the Democratic primary just brings two people with them to the polls, we will win this race in New York 19, and we're not just going to elect Antonio Delgado, we're going to elect Pat Strong, Jen Metzger, Karen Smythe, uh, Joy St. George, Aiden O'Connor, and so many others. And today I was out in in the town of Ulster with Pat Strong. We met two Republicans who both said to us they've been Republicans their entire life, and they are voting Democrat all the way this year. So if we do our job, if we vote and we tell our friends to vote, I do believe we will see a, a serious blue wave on Tuesday.
1: What do you think about the race overall? So the last time we had you over to Spotlight 19 was... Uh, back in the winter, but we did see you again right on primary day, actually, and you've been probably the most involved former candidate in this race. What, how, what are your thoughts on the campaign and how it's been run?
3: Absolutely. So when I launched my campaign in, in May of 2017, uh, myself, I know some of the other candidates as well, made a very conscious choice was the focus is going to be on FASO and that in taking back New York 19 that's why this campaign was was very positive it was focused on the issues I became actually quite close with a number of my primary competitors, including Antonio. We had dinner together. We had drinks together. And that's why after the primary ended, it was very easy for me to get behind his campaign and uh, do everything I could to make sure that the people who supported me in the primary would support him. And we are, what I've heard is that we are the most organized congressional district in the country. And I attribute that, attribute that to really three different factors. First is uh, what Antonio has brought to the table, being someone who is as inspirational as he is, someone who has raised the kind of money he has and developed the type of organization. The second one is the hard work of all the candidates in the primary and their supporters who traveling all across this district to energize uh, various uh, Democratic groups and others to get involved. But the third, and to me actually most important, is the the this entire community. What Spotlight 19 has done from the very very beginning, helping bring a focus to Faso's record. So, Sasha, you and Justin, uh, what you what you have done right here here in Hurley. What the Indivisible groups have done. What Faso Friday, Citizens Action. So many of the groups who have spent hours and hours of their time and their own money and their own life uh, working to organize this congressional district. That is when I believe we're going to win on Tuesday. It's, that is what is going to be responsible uh, for the, this victory.
1: So since the primary, you've actually been working on a group called Show Up 2018. And it's actually uh, an organization that's trying to get out the youth vote, and, which has been pretty abysmal here in New York 19. I want to hear a little bit about Show Up uh, and also what your thoughts are. On the youth turnout here and how we can get it up. Um, even in the New York Times live poll that was just released, I think they only talked to about 30 people that are in the youth demographic from 18 to 30. So, how do we really increase that turnout?
3: When I campaigned, it was, and I, I was the youngest candidate in the race. I spoke to a lot of people in my uh, generation who would tell me, Gareth, I, I think you're a great candidate, but I'm just not political and I don't think, believe my vote counts. Two things which are wrong. If you care about climate change, if you care about net neutrality, for the listeners you're hearing with Nell, the dude in the background, uh, our one of our hosts of Spotlight 19, and uh, that's wrong. These issues. The people we elect people to office who don't believe in climate change. We elect people to office who want to roll back these rules on net neutrality. We elected John Faso who wants to take away people's health insurance. And when you see that, the amount of power that people who were in office have over these daily decisions, we're all political in a sense. And that's what SHOPE 2018 is trying to do, which is make it very clear that unless the young people vote, the, the millennials, our generation is the largest voting block in America. We should have the most electoral power, but we don't because we don't vote. If we did vote at those numbers politicians would be falling head over heels to go to college campuses to come speak to us because they couldn't win without us. So that's what Show Up 2018 is trying to do. Last night, I was down at Vassar College. Alexa and I were down there. We There was an acapella group playing. There was a band playing. There was a big turnout with Karen Smythe and D.D. Dee Dee Barrett there. And these young people are voting this year. They are going to vote. I saw the turnout numbers from other states over 100 percent higher than it was in the last midterm uh, midterm election, and that's what we have to do is, is 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 make sure that the millennials we realize how powerful our vote is and come out and and, and come out to the polls.
1: Sure, I'm. You're in law school, so I'm going to pose three hypotheticals. Yeah. I'm going to start from the worst case scenario to the best case scenario and get your advice on what we should do. So it's November 7th. We've lost the house. Antonio's lost. We haven't... The blue wave hasn't happened. What do we do next?
3: I'm going to go back just to my... Before I answer the hypothetical, I want to <laughs> say what, what Liam and Jasmine also have been doing with Hudson Valley votes, Oh, yes. I uh, can't let that that uh, without... The last question go by without answering that. It's been in, incredible. I spent a lot of time up there in, in Woodstock with the, their new band, Youth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to give them a lot of credit when the youth vote comes out, in, uh, in, uh, comes out very strong. To answer the hypothetical... It, that's not something I've honestly thought about yet. This is, I've seen the amount of energy that we've been seeing around the district and believe is going to take us through. Uh, But we have to, this is, this is a process. You know, we, 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 we do everything we can to energize the bit, energize our voters, talk to people. Uh, If we don't succeed, I don't believe our efforts will have been in vain. Uh, And we have to just double down. I hope spotlight 19, uh, November 7th does their next podcast and uh, let's we got to keep our eye on the ball, which is sending people to Congress, sending people to Albany who represent the people of this congressional of this district.
1: What if what happens if Antonio wins, but we don't take back the house? I have three scenarios yes. for you, right? So that's number two.
3: Well, then uh, let's 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 do everything we can to make sure that the Democrats we do send to the House are, are fighting for the policies that we can show the rest of the country. This is what the Democrats stand for. We stand for bring giving health care to all Americans in an affordable way. We stand for protecting our environment, creating good jobs. Someone like Antonio, uh, who will have won a very won, in a very tough seat, can maybe show in in, uh, in other districts how do you send Democrats who, when they really care about the people and care about the issues, how do you uh, rally support behind your cause? And maybe we can start Spotlight 18, Spotlight 20, Spotlight <laughs> 22, in other uh, congressional districts.
1: My, my cousin is here, and she suggested doing Spotlight 19 for a different state's 19th district. So that would probably be a bigger— I would like to bigger... see
3: Spotlight 19 all across the country. Maybe we, maybe I, I give, Saja, you and Justin, the, the Winnebago, <laughs> and you do a mobile Spotlight 19 all over the uh, country. Sure.
1: And the last case, best case scenario is what we're hoping for if we do and get out and canvas is a big blue wave. We take back the house, possibly... Uh, especially the state houses in New York state and make them true blue. Uh, What then? I think um, a lot of people were organizers back in 2008 for Obama, myself included. And then they kind of sat back and forgot about all their political involvement and, you know, let that go. How do we make sure we keep it up?
3: I think we're just, I think we're just beginning and we're going to start seeing people running for County legislature, for town board, uh, in on every level of government, we're going to see people starting to get involved again. And I have to say, I have now, this morning I was out with two state Senate candidates last night with another one. We have an exceptional number. The candidates who are running are just exceptional people. Uh, Jen Metzger, who I spent the more the morning with. Uh, these are people who could be doing anything else, but they are choosing to want to serve our community in Albany, a place uh, where, you, where, as many of us know, a lot of people don't want to go uh, to be in government. These jobs don't pay a lot of money, it's a lot of work, a lot of travel, and if you speak with people like Jen and Karen and and Aiden and others, uh, Pat Strong, you will be so impressed by the caliber of of service and the skill set they're bringing to the job, and I think if we can elect these people to office, we're going to be so impressed by the types of policies that are coming out of Albany, and maybe we can start, right now government is viewed so negatively by so many people, because... We don't have this caliber of people seeking public office. But once we start to change that, I believe, well, people's trust in government will improve and we will start seeing real change and real positive action coming out of Albany, Washington and uh, beyond.
1: All right. Famous last words before uh, it's possible. Spotlight 19 might go on a little hiatus. But what words do you have for our listeners as we go into the possibly, probably and possibly the most important election of our of our lifetime, for sure?
3: Make a plan to vote. Pick up your phone. Go on your your email list, your Facebook account. Find two or three friends who you don't think uh, might not, who you think might not vote. Call them, text them, email them. Make sure that they have a plan to vote as well. This is, it, it is not, at the end of the day, it's not that difficult. It is it, this is about turnout. It's about making sure that we have our people coming out to the polls. That's what's going to win. The, what's going to win this race? So I would just encourage. Let's not ignore the polls, ignore uh, what, you know, What if you, if you think we ha- we're, we're going to lose or think we're going to win, ignore that. We just need to make sure that we vote and make sure we get our friends to vote as well.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much. How can people g- keep in touch with Gareth Rhodes?
3: Uh, you can friend me on Facebook, follow me on, on Twitter, on social media, and I would love to stay in touch.
1: Thanks so much. Thanks,
3: Sadra. Thanks, Justin. And with now.
0: You've been listening to Spotlight 19, our 36th episode.
1: Can you believe it?
0: Maybe our last episode.
1: Uh, hopefully, our last. As much as we love uh, being with you and having these amazing listeners, uh, hopefully Antonio will win and we won't have to keep Don Fazzo accountable anymore.
0: Mm. So, if you haven't already volunteered, you can call your friends, speak to your neighbors. Um, try to get people out to vote on Tuesday between six am and nine pm and improve the lives of, of you know of everyone in the, in this uh, in this wonderful New York nineteen.
1: We've heard from these amazing candidates up and down the ballot to assembly we can change make changes in the New York State Assembly to the New York state Senate and it's just really important that you, talk to everyone you know and remind them to vote and remind them of the importance of this particular election there are so many people around this district that have been working day in and day out to really swing this district blue so we really want to thank and appreciate our listeners we wouldn't have been able to get this far without your support and you know we'll see where we go from here
0: yes and all the wonderful guests that we've had on that have given us a chance to. Um, Uh, present them in in this format. So maybe it's goodbye, but um, we're we're not going anywhere. We're going to be in New York 19, and we look forward to seeing all of you out there in a bright new blue district. Until then, keep the faith.